0: Good morning, church. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, Pastor Nathan needs a haircut. I'm thinking it. I wake up every morning and I look at myself in the mirror and I think, I need my barber. And I know that many of you are in the same situation. Your is just getting longer. Mine just keeps getting bigger and wavier. I apologize if it's a distraction. But aren't we all discovering anew how much we value our barbers right now? But, you know, for honest, if that's what's on our minds, we are one of the fortunate ones because there's a lot of other people who are waking up in the morning. They don't care what their hair looks like. They know they have a greater need. They need a physician. They need somebody who can address their medical condition. We are all understanding globally right now just how essential, just how necessary doctors are, physicians. But you know, today's scripture points us to the great physician. The one who is the most essential worker, if you will, in all of human history. His reputation in history is that of the great physician. We discover in today's story why. And it's not just because he's like one of our doctors who can help us with the medical conditions that we face, serious as they are, Jesus, the great physician, the most essential worker of all, offers a cure for an even deeper, even bigger problem than any disease. Let's learn about him in our scripture today. And let's also learn how it is that we get access to the care that he's providing. Just like I don't have access right now to my barber, just like a lot of people are having a hard time getting access to the health care they need. We might wonder, how do we get access? If Jesus, the great physician, is offering a solution to an even bigger problem that we have, how do we access him? This word physician is introduced in this story, Luke chapter 5, verse 31. Jesus refers to himself as a physician. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now, Jesus developed a reputation as the great physician, partly because of this verse where he refers to himself as a physician, but also partly because he, when he walked around this earth, offered physical healing to people. When he met somebody who was blind, he could touch their eyes and open them for sight. When he met somebody with the debilitating condition called leprosy, Jesus could reach out his hand and touch that person and And heal them and restore them to society. When Jesus met a person who was paralyzed, he could reanimate their limbs so that they could dance and praise once again. He was a physician in that sense through miraculous healing touch. But in this case, in today's story, he's not talking about his ability to heal people physically. No, he's using the term physician actually as a metaphor to describe himself in a way that he's offering a bigger cure for a bigger, deeper problem that all of us have, not just our physical healing. In fact, Jesus, if let's say Jesus was a first responder, an essential worker, if you will, a first responder. The first response that Jesus addresses in us is not our physical condition. No, there's a deeper, bigger problem. How am I so confident about this? Well, earlier in the same chapter, Luke chapter 5, Jesus is presented somebody who has a serious medical condition. And before Jesus heals the man, he addresses this deeper, bigger problem. Maybe you know the story. Jesus is in a home and it's really crowded. There's all kinds of people around, so you can't get access to him. And there's people outside the home who apparently knew about Jesus' reputation as the great physician, as the miracle worker, the one who could heal physical conditions. Because they have a friend who has paralysis. And they think, how do we get access to Jesus? Our friend needs to be healed of his physical condition. How do we get to Jesus in this crowded house? So they do something really amazing, really courageous and bold. They actually climb onto the roof. They cut a hole in the roof, and they lower their friend who's paralyzed right down into the room where Jesus is, and they put him right at the feet of Jesus. They need access to the care that Jesus provides. So here's this man presented before Jesus with an obvious physical need, And if all Jesus was, was the type of physician that you and I go and see, the type of physician that Jesus clearly was as well, where he could heal people's physical ailments, Jesus might have just simply healed the man and gone on about his day. But Jesus looked at the man and he saw this deeper, bigger need, this bigger problem. In Luke chapter five, verse 20, right as this paralyzed man is presented right before Jesus, Jesus looks at him and he says, man, Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. He went on to heal the man physically as well, but the great physician, Jesus, looked at the man. He saw this bigger, deeper problem, the fact that the man had unforgiven sins. And so Jesus forgives the man his sins. Now, immediately he offends a number of people who are in this house. And the room seems to divide now between two groups of people. People who say, wow, Jesus, the great physician, I need this man in my life. And they followed him. And the other group of people who were offended by him, who said, I've got no need for this guy, and they left. And what we see in today's story as well is there's basically two groups of people who respond to Jesus, the great physician. There's the type of people who say, I need, I need the care that Jesus is providing. And there's the type of people who say, I don't think I do. I'm not the type of person who who needs what Jesus is offering. We first meet Levi in the story. Levi is the former type of person. He's the type of person who, when he meets Jesus, the great physician, he says, that's the kind of person I need. Let's read about Levi, beginning in the 27th verse. It says this, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, Levi rose and followed Jesus. Why was Levi the kind of person who knew he needed Jesus in his life, who was rose, who left everything that he had to follow this man Jesus? Well, it's probably because Levi knew in a painful way that he was a sinner. Levi was probably reminded that he was a sinner every hour of his day. Because everybody in the society in which Jesus and Levi lived, almost everybody would have hated tax collectors. They hated tax collectors for for two very understandable reasons. People probably hated this man, Levi. The first reason is that, well, he was a tax collector. And who among us loves paying taxes? They probably hated Levi, not just that he was a tax collector, but also because he was able to line his own pockets with extra charges. It seems that Rome allowed the local tax collectors to charge whatever else they wanted to on top of the tax. So whenever people saw Levi, they saw him getting wealthier and wealthier. And they probably thought, there's the guy who ripped me off. There's the thief who stole from me. I know I owe my taxes, but the extra charges that he gave me, that's only the first reason people probably hated Levi. The second one may have been even worse. You see, Levi had aligned himself with the Roman occupation. Levi was a a Hebrew. He was an Israelite. He was a a member of the nation of Israel. And yet he had made this career choice to, to collect taxes, not for the temple, but for Rome. He had aligned himself with the Roman occupation. He was a betrayer of the people of God. So Levi was probably painfully aware of his own sin, probably because he was reminded of it all the time. Anybody, someone walked by him, they probably taunted him or mocked him or said nasty things about him. There's that guy who rips me off and who betrays his own people. So Jesus the great physician, the one who offers not just physical healing, wonderful as that is, Jesus, the great physician who offers forgiveness for our sins, he approaches Levi. And Jesus may have been the first so-called religious person that Levi ever met who didn't reject him. I'm guessing that the other rabbis, the other religious leaders of the time, would have walked by Levi's tax booth and pointed to people saying, Don't be like him. But Jesus walks right up to him. And he says to him, follow me. Follow me. And Levi felt joyful. How do we know Levi felt joyful? Well, because of his response. Look at the way Levi responds. Verse 29. Levi made Jesus a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. Levi suddenly, maybe for the first time in a long time, feels included. Everyone else in society had cast him out as a sinner. But Jesus came to him and and said, I want you to follow me. And so Levi responds with joy, with spontaneous joy. And he throws this awesome party And Levi invites all of his friends. Maybe Levi went around to his friends saying, you guys aren't going to believe this. There's this religious figure who invites people like me. Come, come ye sinners. Come to this party and meet this man Jesus. I use that phrase, come ye sinners, because it comes from one of my favorite hymns of all time. We used to sing it up on... The focus property for summer camps on Martha's Vineyard with high school students, not with an organ or piano like we normally sing hymns, but with a guitar around the campfire. The hymn goes like this Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Come, ye sinners. The hymn was written in 1759 by a pastor named Joseph Hart. No relationship to me, but I love this hymn Come, come, ye sinners. Come, you who know your need for the great physician. I imagine Levi shouting from the rooftops, maybe yelling from his front door, his front porch, out into the street, something similar. Come on, everybody. Everybody of bad reputation. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. I've met Jesus. I've met the great physician. I've met the one who offers forgiveness for sins. Come to my house and meet him too. Now, it's interesting when I picture this party that Levi threw and all the people who were there, the people of bad reputation. Because when I think about that party, honestly, I realize that I grew up in an environment where basically I was taught, don't go to parties with people like that. I grew up in a Christian school with very well-meaning Christian teachers who would literally sit us down and tell us not to go to parties where there were people of bad reputation because those types of parties would present for us all sorts of temptations, and we don't want to associate ourselves with those people. I was literally taught not to go to parties like this that Levi threw. But now that I'm older, I look more closely at this party. I look at this party at Levi's house, full of sinners. And I notice who else is in there? Who's at that party? Don't miss this. Who's also at this party? It's very clear in the scriptures. Levi didn't throw the party just for him and his sinful tax collector friends. He threw it for Jesus. And Jesus is at the party. Jesus is inside the party. The rest of this hymn, Come Ye Sinners, describes why Jesus came, why Jesus associated himself, why the great physician came to meet with sinners. It says this, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you. Full of pity, love, and power. He is able, he is able. He is willing, doubt no more. Jesus is the great physician. He has come to offer a cure for our sin-sick souls, which means that he found himself surrounded by people with sin-sick souls, people who knew their need for him. But there's another group of people who miss the party who don't think they should be at a party like that. We meet these people in the next verse, verse 30. They're the Pharisees and they're the scribes. They grumble at Jesus' disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? These Pharisees, these scribes, they remind me of somebody else in scripture. They remind me of the older brother in the parable of the prodigal. The older brother is so able to see the obvious, outrageous sins of his little brother, and the older brother complains, he pleads with the father, and he says, where's my reward? Why are you rewarding? Why are you throwing a party for my little brother who has such obvious, outlandish, outrageous sins? Don't you see my righteousness? Don't you see the polished up version of me? Don't you wanna reward me? And these people, they miss the party. They remind me of the older brother, but honestly, church, they remind me of myself. I can so easily see the obvious, outrageous, outlandish sins of sinners out there. And I think to myself, sometimes those people need Jesus. But notice, the word of warning in this scripture today. I don't know if any of you resonate with that. If you ever let your heart do what I just revealed my heart does sometimes, where I think, look at those sinners out there. Those people need Jesus. There's a warning in this text. For people like you and for people like me, we hear the warning from Jesus. Jesus addresses the scribes and Pharisees. He addresses the older brother, if you will. And he addresses people like me. In verse 31, Jesus answered them. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is a warning, folks. Jesus is basically saying, if you think you have no need for me, I have no business with you. I came for people who can recognize their own sinfulness. How silly would it be for you or I to go book an appointment with our doctor and to show up at the doctor's office and the doctor would say to us, so what's going on? And if we said, oh, nothing, I'm, I'm good. I've never been in better shape. I feel 100% doc, how you doing? How are your kids? You know what the doctor would say? The doctor would say, you're wasting my time there's sick people in the waiting room why have you come here and in the same way sometimes with our faith with our religious practices we try to present our best selves to god we think that's what he requires of us to polish up ourselves to show him our best deeds to show him our righteousness we think that's what we should bring into church we think that's what we should bring into the relationship with jesus and jesus in this text he's showing he's looking at us and he's saying actually the opposite is true don't bring me your polished up versions of yourself. Bring me your sin sickness because I'm the great physician. And if you can't recognize your need for me, then I have no business with you. Verse two of the wonderful hymn, Come Ye Sinners, puts it this way. Let not conscience let you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. This he gives you, this he gives you. Tis the spirit's glimmering beam. All the fitness, all the righteousness, all the polished up versions of ourselves, all that he actually requires is for us to say, I need you, I need forgiveness For my sins, they might not be obvious, but they're in here. And I need, Jesus, what you've done for me on the cross. I need for you to deal with the punishment that my sins deserve. I need that to happen to you on the cross, because if it doesn't happen to you, it should happen to me. So great physician, I bring you my sin. I bring you my need. I bring you in humility an awareness that I need you in my life and I need you for eternity. We can bring our weariness to him. We can bring our burdens to him. We can bring our brokenness to him. We can bring our pride, our arrogance, our outrageous, outlandish sins, whatever they are, we can bring all of it to him and ask him to heal it, forgive it, and call us in relationship with him. Verse three of the hymn. Puts it this way. Come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and mangled by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners, Jesus came to call. Jesus called the sinner Levi. And he calls sinners like you and he calls sinners like me. And he calls us as our great physician, the one who offers the cure, the bigger, deeper problem that we all have, even than our physical conditions. He offers the cure for these things by dying in our place and rising again. He calls us, To repentance. Did you notice that? The last word that he uses here, Jesus says, I've not called, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is an important piece that I don't want any of us to miss as well that we all are sinners in need of the great physician, whether our sins are obvious or private or quiet. But he calls us not just to forgive our sins, but to also have us repent, to have us turn. That's what repentance means. It simply means to turn. This is what Levi did. The story that we know about Levi doesn't begin and end right here. No, we know a lot more about Levi the rest of his life, what he was called into to following Jesus. Levi goes by another name in the Gospels. You might recognize it more easily. His name is not just Levi. He goes by another name, which is, does anyone know it? Do you know what his other name is? It's Matthew. Levi is Matthew, Matthew, one of the 12 disciples, one of the people Jesus chose to be one of the 12 who would follow him and through his work and through his words would change the world. Matthew was one of the people who witnessed the ascension back into heaven when Jesus had died on the cross and risen again and he ascended from earth to heaven. Matthew was there to witness that. Matthew became one of the four evangelists who would spread the gospel, who would spread the news all around the world. Early church history tells us that Matthew was martyred for his faith, that his devotion to Jesus didn't just throw a party for him the day he knew he was forgiven, but it actually lasted all the way to his last days on earth. Matthew was called, he was a sinner, called to be forgiven by Jesus, but he was called to repentance, to turn. Matthew was no longer a tax collector, ripping people off, spending his days doing nefarious deeds. No, he turned, he followed Jesus, he has sins forgiven, and he devoted the rest of his life to glorifying God and Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need him. If you don't know you need them, if you just think you need a barber, like I know I do, or if you just think you need a a physical doctor that we all know we need, and you don't know that you need the great physician, you are missing out on the solution, the cure to your deepest, biggest problem, the forgiveness of sins. What good is physical health? What good is a clean haircut? if you don't have that. So let's run to him. Come. Come, ye sinners. Poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save us. He calls us to repentance, to lives, to the Christ life fully devoted to him. Let's run after him. Like people who know we need him. Amen.